Welcome back to Retail Therapy on the Sunday Scaries podcast feed. I'm your host, Will DeFreeze, my co-host, Barrett Dudley. Welcome. How you doing today, Barrett? I'm doing all right. Just enjoying our intro track. That's a uh, that's an unreleased uh, version of a, of a Kanye song that they showed off in Genius, right? It, it feels like it. Yeah? It feels like it. I'm pretty sure that's that's one of those, you know, soulful samples that that he was uh that he was so known for in in the year 2002. Be careful. I have not I have not gone in yet on the Kanye documentary yet. Uh, I've been waiting. Is part 3 out yet? Uh no, I do not think so. Part part 2 just came out. I actually haven't watched part 2 yet either, but but um but no, I don't think the whole thing's out yet. I'm operating solely when they're all out. I want to be able to binge them on a on a casual Sunday, maybe even a Saturday and watch them back to back to back. Yeah. It might be a lot yeah. of content to it's, take that in. Is a, that is a lot of content back but, to back to back. But you could but I you want could, the option. Yeah. Yeah, that's, I, I don't want to get through part two and then just be like, oh, I want to watch part three. Right, right, now. right. Yeah, that's 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 how I'm approaching two and three. I just I'll, I'll knock out the, the the second and third at the same time. Well, I know you're a Maisel guy too, and it's killing me that they're just doing two episode releases every week. I, dude, I had no idea about that. And yes, I'm a Maisel guy, and um, I, I get I get upset. Netflix is usually like the 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 biggest culprit uh, when it comes to this type of. Of, of like just like dropping things without ever even mentioning it. Yeah. But there's been no press whatsoever for Maisel season four. They just, it, I didn't even know it was about to drop. And boom, here it is all of a sudden. I, what's what's happening to my girl? Like what's the are they, only press that I saw for it was like they put the day the, before they put her like, you know, on the on the top shelf. Like, 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 is she getting she getting sidelined? I don't know. Like, yeah, it, I saw I saw a lot of promotion for it, like the Thursday before it all came out. But it kind of surprised me. I was like, how did I not know this months in advance that this was going to be out? I even follow, I think, several cast members on Instagram and stuff like that. And I still feel like I didn't see that much. Hmm. Yeah, that's uh, it. Feels like something's going on, and 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 I don't know what it is. But uh, but I'm I'm also looking forward to jumping back into the marvelous Mrs. Maisel. I'm I'm three episodes in. I have not yet watched all four, so I'm I'm very pleased with how the season has gone so far. Anytime I can see Abe on the screen is a good day. Yeah. Yeah. If you're wondering what retail therapy is, if you're just a normal Sunday Scaries listener, you're like, why are there four random episodes with these two dudes on my feed? To be honest, I'm not really sure what this quite is quite yet. Uh, I think what it, what it's turned into is a lot of the common interests that Barrett and I have. This is a place for us to just discuss them, talk about yeah. recent trends that have popped up, maybe discuss some things that we want to buy that we can't afford, but we're trying to justify it. It could be anything. If you missed last week's episode, we talked a lot about skincare, things like that. Our first episode, we talked about old people just dressing dope. A lot of like what's just like what's happening like culturally as well, and not necessarily pop culture, although you know entertainment and 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 all that type of stuff and celebrity is obviously in play. But just like you know what what is happening socially, in, like you know you know why are all the low bowls sold out at Crate and Barrel? Right. Like right. why did why yeah. does my yeah. rice pilaf dish with some chicken on top taste better out of this low bowl? The, yes. We answer yeah, exactly. the questions exactly. that some people just don't well, have wh- the guts wh- to answer. Yeah, uh, and we're just breaking news that was broken not by us. Like smoking's back. That type of thing. Yeah, cigs are definitely back. <laughs> Uh, if you if you're enjoying it, let us know. Uh, any feedback, any any positive stuff, leave a review. I don't care how you get to us. You can you can DM either one of us on Instagram, and and we just want to hear the feedback. You can also watch these episodes on YouTube at YouTube.com/slash/WashMedia. That definitely just differentiates this from the Sunday Scaries feed, which doesn't have video currently. But if you want to go check this out, uh, Barrett does a lot of tinkering on the screen when it comes to bringing certain things up. Yeah, I'm a, I'm, I'm I'm tinkering right right now. He's just a tinker guy. And uh, yeah, youtube.com slash watch media, go subscribe. But without further ado, 
let's dive into a little food talk. I know we did some low bowl talk a few episodes ago, yep. but overall we haven't really dabbled that much in food. And luckily for us, somebody I think that everyone loves has, has all of a suddenly gotten very into food, Kenny G. That's Yeah, yeah. Speaking of documentaries, did you watch his documentary? No, I need to. I need to watch that one too. And that, we have a Larry David documentary. All these, all these guys are just getting documentaries put out, and I have yet Everybody, to dip into any of them. You, you hit like sixty years old, and people are just ready to dock you up. You know, it's great. And I'm, and and yeah, I'm, I'm here for that. I definitely need to check out the Kenny G documentary. But, but yeah, he's talking. Kenny G here is talking to. He's talking to GQ about learning to cook when he got divorced, basically. I had to set an example for his 14-year-old son. I feel like that's a common occurrence once you get divorced. Maybe, uh, but, but, but I just felt I, I needed to, to, to read about what Kenny was doing in the kitchen because I'm head chef at my house. Mm-hmm. Oh, you are? Yeah. See, yeah. I'm, a, I'm a sous chef through and through. I think I could be a head chef, but Sally is definitely the alpha when it comes to the kitchen. Okay. So I take a back seat and I just kind of do the cleanup after her. Uh, if she wants me, I, I've really gotten into a terrible mode where I am the open the meat package and pat it dry guy. And I don't want to be that person at this point. You don't wash chicken, do you? No. Okay. You're not, that is, I, some headlines popped up recently, like, here's why you shouldn't wash your chicken. And I'm, I'm begging anybody that has been washing chicken, you don't, do not, don't, don't do that. No. Don't, I, what? Don't put all the salmonella in your sink, man. Yeah. Like what? And also, like I'm, I'm cooking it, so I, it's, I don't need to wash it before yeah, I don't cook need it. A, yeah, it's not a, it's not an apple. You don't need to run it under the, the faucet. The two takeaways that I had from Kenny G were one, he eats Japanese food for breakfast, which is uh-huh. something that I actually identify with more than I thought I would, and that he is incredibly passionate about a reverse seared steak. Yeah. Yes. Uh, the Japanese. Just to touch on the Japanese breakfast. In love with that. It feels very on brand for for my man Kenny G. But also, if you've never, you know, how, like you know what the best part of fried rice is, right? It's what? Like the egg. And yeah, yeah. When you see the cl- clump of egg, you're always trying to get that on your spoon before the other stuff. Yes, yes. And I feel it took me a while to 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 like realize that it was probably actually you know 12 years ago at Benny Hanna or whatever when I watched them like fry some eggs and then do the you know do the whole thing. It wasn't at your backyard. Um, it was not at my personal hibachi party, although. Houston is way ahead of us there, according to to all of my friends. Everybody's just having a hibachi party. We got to have one here soon. I think backyard hibachi parties. I think Houston's going to end up being the ground zero for this, and yeah. it's going to spread out all from it's from Houston to everything else. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Everyone on Instagram and Barrett noted this before. <laughs> everyone on Instagram is doing backyard hibachi yeah. parties. I'm dying. Yeah, so I'm dying to have a a backyard hibachi party and have them cook up some egg in the. And the fried rice, my point being, egg goes really well with rice. And so like that type of Japanese breakfast where you get a little bit of that, you know, salty umami and that the, the rice flavor along with the egg, beautiful stuff. Um, the, the steak is what stood out to me as well, because to, 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 to listen to Kenny G or to read Kenny G telling you how he cooks a steak, it's just not a description you're going to get from anybody except for like a 60-year-old jazz musician it's who's worth like $500 million or whatever. I, it's just beautiful. And like there's <laughs> nothing there's nothing that revolutionary about what he says about cooking a steak. Like as someone who has very much cooked most of his steaks indoors for his entire life, I've, I like to grill steaks too. But, you know, convenience being in an apartment, you have to do it inside. Nothing he said is totally revolutionary, but it's all spot on. And it it made me want a steak. It made me want to even put some steak over some some rice and just eat it out of a low bowl. I, I mean, that does sound 
incredible. But uh, he just he just casually tosses out that you need to order your steaks from Snake River Farms. Did you look up how much those steaks I, were? I, I've got them up right now. He he points out a, a, a I think what does he say he he buys a Manhattan or a New York? The Manhattan. I, I believe he said, he said the Manhattan fillet. But but uh but I, but so I'm not. I see New York, and that's that's where we'll go. New York strips one of my favorite cuts. Minimum here, we're talking fifty bucks for one single for, steak. I think that's for one steak. I mean, that's a that's a nice steakhouse price. Yes, exactly. That is a that's a hefty sum for for a, a piece of meat, which then you have to cook, ideally in your skillet with lots of butter, garlic, oil, and a reverse sear. <laughs> I don't know what it says about me, and I like a good steak as much as anybody. I have never gone into the high-end luxury steak side of things because I'm too afraid that I will ruin it. Mess it up, yeah. And that's unfortunate for me. I just don't think that – I think that I could do it and it would end up being very, very good. But I just don't want to run into a situation where I I decide to spring for something. I could see myself doing it around like New Year's Eve and being like, you know what? Yeah. Let's get two really nice cuts of steak for tonight. And then suddenly I just smoke out my apartment and burn the steaks on the reverse sear. So I I, I felt – pretty much the same way when I was when I when I lived in an apartment and was and would have to cook a steak inside. Mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm I've I've I basically my my eight years in apartment in an apartment essentially ha- have has me man I can't I can I cannot my verb tenses are all out of whack today. <laughs> I don't know what's happening. Um I basically had to swear off cast iron because I just I was not using it properly, or my pan wasn't seasoned, or whatever. But like, I would set the smoke alarm off every single time I tried to use it. It's hard not to. It's about it's if you're doing the in apartment steak. It's it's for me. It's mostly about having the hood mm. that just yeah. absolutely sucks it out of there. Our new place is great. We have a, a a great kitchen, and I love cooking in it. Yeah. The one thing that is not the best is the hood that does, and it doesn't suck the smoke out like it used to, and yeah. it's completely rendered trying to do a steak in our apartment useless. We can't really do it anymore without causing a major ruckus for our neighbors. And so it's been a sad time, but you know, my, my red meat consumption has gone far, far down. My, my red meat consumption is, is pretty low these days as well. But, but now that I do have access to, you know, an outdoor propane grill, I do every once in a while cook a steak. And now I'm not, I'm not going as like high end as, as our man's Kenny G here. Although I do really appreciate the fact that he is just pouring over this 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 skillet in front of him just basting and basting and basting you know you just it's a labor of love for kenny um (laughs) (laughs) but uh i do when you do cook steaks on a grill i it is important to get good steaks and i usually just go to like central markets or whole food and Mm -hmm. pick something reasonable but but good usually like a new york strip or something like that um and then here's a quick plug just google bobby flay a perfect steak is that the move? That's the the his recipe, perfectly grilled steak recipe from the Food Network will come up. It's super simple, but it's really really good and very very easy, which is key. It's almost foolproof. That's like when people ask me, like, okay, because I I talk about duck a lot. It was a major part of last week's Sunday Digest. I just enjoy a good piece of duck. I had duck for dinner on Saturday, but a lot of people ask me like, how do you cook it? And I'm like, just Google Gordon Ramsay. Watch him cook a duck breast and that it's exactly how you do it. It works every single time. And we have only messed it up one time. And it's because we had the oven on way too hot and we (laughs) messed up. But overall, like I don't see any shame in learning how to cook from YouTube chefs who are doing it better than I could ever figure out myself. Yeah, that's I mean, 
it's a great resource for for exactly that. And and if you do that, you'll be using the exact same method as Kenny G. So I, I might be copying Kenny G on several fronts because <laughs> I, as someone who doesn't like a traditional breakfast, I've never been like a bacon and eggs guy. I, something about eggs alone just it doesn't freak me out, but it just makes me feel a little uneasy sometimes. <laughs> a little over easy sometimes. Sorry. <laughs> And then, uh, but I don't, I just, I don't like just having eggs on a plate. Yeah. yeah. So if I could start mixing that with some rice and some other stuff that might not be traditional breakfast food, what I'm saying is that I want to normalize other foods for breakfast, much like Kenny G is trying to do right now. He's trying to eat some salmon over a bed of rice. And I love that idea. I also found it very interesting that he compared himself to an athlete of sorts when it comes to choosing what food to eat before a performance. He eats the same thing, something in the Japanese vein, because he knows that he knows how his body will react to eating salmon and rice as opposed to, as he said, like, shouldn't have experimented with that jalapeno. And I was like, (laughs) yep, Kenny's definitely had a bad performance because of some jalapenos at some point in his life. Look, if you're about to get on stage and and spend 90 minutes blowing into a a horn instrument, Mm maybe nothing too spicy beforehand seems yeah. like a just seems like common sense to me like if he gets a little sniffle is he just devastated before a performance probably for me it's like whatever people are just going to notice that i have a little sniffle on, I, on on the mic i also just you know just kenny g overall he's got the documentary on hbo max he's kind of he feels like he's having a late career renaissance it's just kind of like a like a cool guy icon mm-hmm. and now after reading about how he cooks steaks and eats japanese breakfast and that if you eat his steak everybody that has ever eaten his steak, he says, says it's the best one they've ever had. This guy has just rocketed straight to the top of my, like, you know how people are like, pick three people to come to your dinner party or whatever? Yeah. Kenny G's like, gotta be top five now. He might be there. (laughs) And like, Kenny G, I think, has probably more stories than most people have because, I mean, he, if you remember, he was the one who was playing saxophone for Kim Kardashian after, on like, her birthday or Valentine's Day or something. Kanye just had him just sitting in their living room playing sax. I was like, yeah. He's probably rubbed elbows with some very interesting celebrity A-listers, and he's probably got a lot of stories about them that we will never, ever hear. Yeah, I imagine that's correct. Uh, on, in the same food vein, I did something, Barrett, that I meant to talk about uh, last time we met, last week. I did a juice cleanse when I had COVID. Mm. Have you ever done a cleanse of any sorts? No. This is the first time I've really like gone all in on doing it. It was a 48-hour juice cleanse, which in the grand scheme of things really does nothing for your actually well-being. I didn't, even, I didn't even know that, that you could do a, that short of a juice cleanse. I don't think you can, <laughs> but I just drank juice for two straight days, and it was a very weird experience. Like Doing it during COVID was something that I didn't expect my body to crave, but when I saw that it was available and it was half off and I could get it within 40 minutes, I thought to myself, what better time to just fill my body with like actual fluids at a yeah. time when I'm already dehydrated? Uh, I've always wanted to do a 48 hour juice cleanse just to kind of like detoxify something, get, just get rid of some stuff in my stomach, which it, it worked on that front, maybe a little too much, but it was just a very weird experience. And now I'm starting to do these juice shots every day and I don't know if they do anything to me, but I'm just addicted to them. What, what, what's the flavor of your, of your juice shot? What's it? It could be anything from like a lemon cayenne to today. I did an elderberry, which always seems to, uh, very much create some, some, uh, what, what would the word be? It causes a, a bit of a battle in my stomach, which is a good and bad thing. Cause I think it does kind of get rid of some stuff that I yeah. don't want in there. But at the same time, it's like, I don't want that to arrive at the wrong time. 
Is it kind of like, does it give you the same feeling as, as when you take a bear fight shot? What's a bear fight shot again? <laughs> I remember, I, I remember <laughs> hearing this and then just being like, no, I don't, I don't want that ever again. Uh, I, I actually can't remember. Um, but, but listening to you describe the sensation of, of having an elderberry shot made me think of a, of a bear, of a bear fight shot. It's just, uh, I'm a juice guy now. The amount of sugar that I'm taking in is just through the roof. But as I, t- I told Sally when I was doing it during COVID or during when I was kind of, you know, sitting around doing nothing during COVID, I was like, I know there's a lot of sugar in here, but I'm really getting zero nutrients from anything else but juice at this point. So like, I don't think I can complain about having too much sugar or else my body might just literally shut down today. Yeah. It's, it's look, if you look up the sugar content of fruit, basically, mm-hmm. you're going to be kind of blown away. Yes. But it's naturally occurring, and that's what makes it like better than refined additive sugar, essentially. If, if I'm eating a banana and someone tells me that there's a lot of sugar in that banana, yeah. I, I, I might not physically roll my eyes, but my eyes are rolling into the back of my head just judging you so much. <laughs> I'm like, it's a banana. It's a banana. I, I, I just want to have a banana for, for breakfast. I'm sorry. A lot of potassium. So do you have a juice cleanse like all queued up for like, you know, when you get when you get home this weekend? No, I might need to do I actually I should probably do it like before pool season hits. I I think I did kind of like cut a little the one thing I did notice is I cut a lot of bloat that I was having. Okay. Like I I felt like even though I it's probably because I wasn't eating a lot of food, but my stomach was so flat compared to how it normally is after I did the juice cleanse and I it wasn't like I was in pain or anything like that. I I felt like I had just had COVID, so I had a, yeah. not as much energy, but it got rid of a lot of like puffiness and bloat that I was feeling, which was probably the best part of it. I'm not sure I'll do it again anytime soon because two days was kind of difficult. Yep. Day one was easy. Day two was just terrible. Not terrible. I just, I just definitely wanted one small meal. Have you ever experimented with intermittent fasting? I accidentally do it every single day pretty okay. much. Uh, when this, when there's a lot of snacks in our office, I do it less, but I don't love eating breakfast. Like I said, I'm not a big breakfast person. Yeah. And so unless it's a weekend, I'm probably not going to seek out breakfast. Okay. And so after dinner, I usually have a small snack at like nine at night, but then usually I don't eat until after we, re- we record. Okay. So it's usually about 1 p.m. Yeah, when you, I you are basically inter- doing intermittent fasting. Yeah. Right. I have, I don't, I don't stand behind any of the science behind it because I don't know <laughs> the science behind it. So I'm not going to blindly stand behind it. Yeah. But I unintentionally do it every, pretty much every day. Do you? No, but it it definitely seems like the like the I don't know if it's the hottest like quote unquote diet trend, mm-hmm. but it definitely seems to be one that is very in vogue right now. A lot of some people like do it with like you can only eat within the eight minute window or eight hour window, and mm-hmm. so it's like you can eat from noon to eight p.m. at night, and they have like timers and stuff. If I actually thought that it was helping me that much, I would I, I could see myself maybe going down that road, but I'm just not into it enough and I'm not doing it intentionally enough to actually do the intermittent fasting, to actually like hold myself accountable and say, no, Will, don't have that Girl Scout cookie at 10.30 p.m. because I'm likely to have a Girl Scout cookie at 10.30 p.m. Yeah, I'm, 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 I got a sweet tooth, man. I'm definitely hitting up the freezer for the ice cream stash at like 10.30, 10.45. My sweet tooth is what gets me in trouble. I think if it wasn't for my sweet tooth, I think I would have a relatively healthy diet, but the amount of sweets that I crave every single day is very concerning. Um, I was disappointed to to not hear about Kenny G's favorite dessert. I know. That, that's really the one thing that was missing from this well, speaking from of dessert, uh, I've, I've gone out to dinner twice in the past week. And both times we've done something that we normally don't do. And maybe we were more in a celebratory mood or maybe not. But it, it made me wonder, how often are you ordering dessert at dinner, Barrett? Um, 
So I, I don't have a good like ballpark percentage for you. I really just have a breakdown of like the type of meal slash dinner that it is. Okay. Like, are we hitting a relatively nice restaurant on a weekend night where we, we've gotten dressed and are doing something fun? Or is this like a meal on a weeknight out of necessity because we're not cooking. This is a meal that and, is so that you know you've been I mean? looking forward to for a couple of days on the calendar after the reservation was made. You're like, ooh, I'm looking forward to Saturday at this yeah, place. Right. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I'm, and I'm, I'm differentiating between those two things. If it's the one that you're talking about, probably 90% of the time. We've just gone down this dessert road and I've been loving it. Yeah. We, it's, it's, um, yeah. I mean, if, if, if it's, yeah, if you're creating an experience, essentially, like if you're, you, you know, you're, you're having drinks, you're getting apps, you're doing the whole thing, you're at a place that you're, that you're excited about, you gotta, you gotta shut it down with a little bit of, a little bit of something sweet. We decided to do something interesting the other day. We were both very full from our pasta dinner that we had had. Okay. And we both definitely wanted dessert as the cheesecake on the menu looked absolutely delightful. And so we, we decided that instead of eating it at the restaurant, we would get a dessert to go and eat it like two hours later. Okay. And now it's a move that I think I'm just going to pull all the time. I'm like, if I can get it to go dessert that I can have sitting in my fridge, just w- waiting there for me. Yeah. And then I can do that lumber from the bed at, you know, 11 PM and be like, all right, I'm going to eat this cheesecake. That that really is a pro move. It's also that move. Like I was going to say, like, I feel, I also feel like ordering dessert at a restaurant is something that you, you kind of grow into. Yes. I definitely do it more now than I did when I was 25. No question about it. Yes. Right. The one, the move that you're now describing, that's like an even more advanced and even older move. That's an old person move. It's an old person move, getting the dessert to go so because you can that, eat it later. That means you're definitely not doing anything after dinner. Cur- yeah, there's you're no, not bringing your dog no back to the bars. No, yeah, yeah. You're, you are just going, you are getting right back in your car and you're driving straight home. Yes. Yeah. No, I mean, I just showed my cards there a little bit. Yes, yeah. I am 35 years old. And yes, I go to bed at 10 o'clock every night. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, in lieu of uh, an ad for today's episode, let's talk briefly about the Sunday Scary scented candles, which you can get at Vellbox.com slash Sunday Scaries. Right now, there are four different scents available. We got the traditional Sunday Scary scent that just so many people enjoy in their, in their panic rooms. But then we also have the panic room one, which is a very soothing scent. Got a little powder, amaretto, some tonka bean in there, a little rom barret. Then we also have one that's available in eight or 16 ounces, the two-day hangover. The most popular candle. I was not expecting that when I got the report last that uh, Two Day Hangover is going to be soaring above the rest, but people apparently very much like it. Two Day Hangover. It's a very fresh scent, I will okay. say, uh, and that was intentional. I wanted people to be able to lay in their in their bed watching The Bachelor on Monday night and light that candle up and feel like they had a little relaxation. And then there's my personal favorite, Rom-Com, which is fir, cypress, plum, saffron, spice, cinnamon, wood, incense. To shop all of these, head over to Vellbox.com slash Sunday Scaries. They're about $24 each. And there's also a brand new 16-ounce two-day hangover one that's a little more expensive. But the burn time on this thing is about 80 hours. Highly recommend doing it. I left one lit. And I don't normally recommend doing this ever because you should not leave a candle lit in your apartment without being there. But I let one go for a long time, one Mm -hmm. of the bigger ones. Yeah. It lasted straight up forever. When I came back, I was like, oh, I should not have left that lip. But now I know that this will burn for a very, very long time. Yes. Again, Vellabox.com slash Sunday Scaries. Go check it out. Barrett, I've sent you some photos. I uh, was perusing today looking for a couple topics to talk about on today's retail therapy. And I got distracted by looking at some photos from London Fashion Week. Mm-hmm. I can't keep track of when Fashion Weeks are. I always assume that there's like fall, you have New York and whatever. 
When's Paris Fashion Week? Wasn't it recent? It was. Re- I believe it was recently. They they when they do happen, and honestly, I, I should know better than I do. Um, it's a it's a timetable that has kind of like many designers have tried to subvert it recently. Yeah, there was a, there was there was a period of time where where you know like Tom Ford or or whoever else was like or Burberry maybe was like we're gonna sh- we're gonna show and then that's the season you'd be able to buy it like the next day and then that kind of got tossed out the window and then COVID hit and like what it, did it, COVID do to Fashion Week? It, it I mean it kind of killed it for like two years basically yeah or, or at least a year and a half so I I feel like the schedule has kind of gotten thrown out of whack but but if I'm not mistaken it's February and September okay. are the two like are the two months where it has historically happened and it happens in, it typically happens in succession so it's like new york followed by paris followed by milan yeah followed by london by um, no means was i seeking out london when it came to today's episode it just happened to be the most recent thing on there yeah. but i i pieced together some i was going through i there had to have been 50 photos on this but i pieced together nine in some categories that i just wanted to really pick your brain about am there. i looking at the right thing here or, you or, are yeah okay. you are all right yeah um, oh, I see. I see. Yes, you did piece these together. There, I've got multiple frames within each one of these files. Yes, there's three different looks we're going to go through today. Like Photoshop whiz over here, Will. Yeah, I'm, I, I like to dabble in Photoshop. <laughs> um, our first one is uh, checkered everything. Yeah. I've been, as you as you guys know, if you've been listening to retail therapy, I'm going through a skate phase and a very major part of the skate aesthetic has always been the checkered vans. I've always wanted a pair. I know that I could wear them with pretty much anything and, you know, look fine, but I just haven't wanted to spend the $60 on a pair of checkered vans yet. It's just not something I'll wear that much. Now I'm going through all these fashion week photos and this was, this was the trend that I saw the most of in all these photos and it was all checkers. <laughs> yeah, this is, um, it's, it's honestly not something I feel like I've seen a ton of in women's, but this has been, uh, bubbling on the men's side for, for, for several years now. And, and obviously like the, the van's you know, checkerboard pattern, especially as rendered on the slip on is like kind of an all time classic, a shoe that many yeah. people would say never really goes out of style. Mm-hmm. But like uh, last year, I picked up a, a fleece from Saturdays that's in like a green and white checkerboard that has like yes. some some icons kind of uh, kind of, um, you know, bandied about. And then I actually noticed in the ALD drop one, there was a very similar green and white checkerboard on like a I want to say like a Terry Leisure shirt. Yes, this so sounds there, familiar. So there, it, it's definitely it's definitely popping. What I like here uh, on on these women's street style photos, at least on on two of the three, is how it's been uh, kind of exploded. Yes, I think that the large checkers are much more pleasing to me than the small ones at this point. The small ones almost feel more old fashioned, whereas like the more blown up checkered look looks to me more almost like a piece of furniture or something like, right, I don't right. know. It's more of like a statement to me than the other checkers. It definitely feels more modern. Um, and you know, at a large scale like this, you, you get really more of like a color blocking. Yes. Uh, and you know, mm-hmm. perception instead of the, the kind of the tightly knit, like, uh, che- checkerboard yeah. type thing. Like, like you're looking at a chessboard here on, on the far left. This also, uh, when it, when it's smaller like this and, and in the kind of, you know, a tight pattern like that, it feels more skate punk Avril Lavigne 2001 vibe. It feels harder to wear. Yeah. It feels like for someone like me who often tries to seek out things that might be like slimming a little more, I don't know what the word would be, just flattering in general. 
I I'm I feel like I'd be much more likely to go with something more color blocking, like the two on the left here, the just the larger format ones as opposed to the the smaller. Just because I don't know why. It's just a self-conscious part of me. Yeah. Yeah. These exploded checkerboard patterns are great. And and I mean, like, I can't quite tell if these are are in like a faux fur or if they're fleece. It almost looks fleece to me. But but definitely the kind of the high pile stuff like this, the shaggy texture, the big coat definitely feels feels very now. Cool. I guess the next two are kind of in the same big coat vein. Our, the next one that I put together was, um, okay, yeah, let's go into the plaid. I know big plaid coats were big three years ago. Yeah, when, like yeah, people yeah, really yeah. started was, wearing them. That was one of the first kind of like run, you know, bits that we ever ran with on on uh, on Club Cool. Is, yeah, is the the BPCs the big plaid coats and. Uh, I'm kind of amazed that they're still getting worn all the like at this rapid of a clip. Like uh, the the amount of people in photos, and this was mainly guys. I feel like a lot of the women in these photos were wearing a lot of the checkered stuff or a lot of loud patterns, whereas the guys were still very much wearing a lot of the plaid. Mm -hmm. Which I have still yet to dive into something like this. I I do like more minimal clothes, which is probably a fault of mine more than it is a good thing. But I haven't found anything that's that plaid and that loud that I'm like, okay, I can wear this and feel really good about it. Yeah, the 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 coat over here on the left with the double bre double breasted, um, you know, uh, functionality and the really wide lapels. That coat is not necessarily something that I would say is like currently in style. Yeah, but like maybe the, just the way that this guy wears it. Yes, he makes it look. This good. dude has very very unique style. But the but but I think the reason that these have stayed relevant like overall uh, is because <clears throat> what like. Five years ago, three years ago, they were kind of being worn in a little bit more of like a kind of a little bit more of the the, the urban way, mm -hmm. like the, kind of the urban Brooklyn woodsman type thing that, yeah. that that was going on for for a long time. But now prep has entered the equation, like really, very strongly yeah. again, and and that's kind of like their original heritage is is you know British tartans mm -hmm. and and big houndstooth checks and like. Uh, they they feel very waspy and 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 well, preppy. You see, so the, I think they've I think they've just maintained relevance. The guy on the right here has it over like a very aggressively patterned suit, yes. which is a, I mean I think it's a cool look. It's one that I would be very gun shy with. But a lot of the photos from the slideshow had to like it was just people layering stuff that I would be so scared to layer just because it's so loud. But that's what makes all these people look so much cooler than what I would look well, like. One of the things that that these photos and Man, it really feels like it's been a long time since I've seen Fashion Week street style photos. So it's it's fun to see these again. I know that's. I but, think that's why I was so into it. Yeah, I was like, I like, feel like we don't get these anymore. What, what I'm picking up is that like peacocking for Fashion Week is back mm -hmm. because, like you're saying, that's always been the thing with these things. Is if when when you're in the city for Fashion Week, if you want to potentially get snapped by a street style photographer, you got to stand out. You can't just you can't just be wearing like all the stuff that fits you best and is some varying shade of black navy or olive you gotta you gotta show out and that means lots of layers and something kind of funky whether that's color or pattern or the or the way that you have everything on so like this dude on the left that we're mentioning with the gigantic plaid double-breasted wide lapeled suit or uh, um top coat has it on over a plaid sport coat a bright green uh tipped cricket sweater and then like a 70s style shirt with a ginormous collar. Like this is ginormous collar. <laughs> this dude didn't just like 
he got dressed to get photographed and almost nothing else. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I mean, so do you do you, I don't know what I don't know what caused this for me. It's not something I ever did before. It's not something I've ever really cared about, but it's been really good background for me lately. Have you ever heard of the unknown vlogs on YouTube? No. He's got almost a million subscribers. And all this guy does is walk around uh, fashionable cities and fashionable areas. And he just asks people like, what are you wearing? Break it down for me. And it takes about 60 seconds for him to go through each person. Okay. Each vlog that he does is like 10 minutes, 11, 12, max 15. And they all get 2 million views. They all get like a ton of views. But wow. it's just him with a small camera yeah. just going through people. Okay. And it's become a very relaxing thing for me to have on in the background. You hear the noise of the city. You hear people talking kind of excitedly, also a little coyly about the things that they're wearing. And it's just kind of a different way of kind of seeing street interviews. And I, I love it. It's just very interesting. The last one that I watched had uh, Willem Dafoe randomly in it. And nice. he was going through it. And you could see how coy he was when he was like, yeah, I think this sweater's Prada. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah. We, we get it. You're Willem Dafoe. You're allowed to have very expensive clothing. <laughs> Um, the next one that we had was one that it's a, it's a look that I've been liking on people, but it's a look that I don't think I can ever complete. And this is varsity jackets. And is that the correct term for this right now? Yes. Yes. These, the, your yep. classic leather varsity jacket, or sorry, like whatever it is, wool on the, ch along the chest and on the core, leather sleeves, patches everywhere. Um, you yeah, can you, see you, it here. You, you nailed it. It's a, it's a varsity jacket and especially like the three that you pulled are, th th there are some, there's some kind of like blends where people, where you kind of like combine a bomber and a varsity, but these especially all have the, what you're talking about. It's the, the wool bodice leather sleeve. And then almost most importantly is like the collegiate style, uh, like patch patches. Essentially. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And you saw it in the new ALD stuff. They had yep. two that came out. They're a little more minimalistic than these are on the screen now. Um, but those will run you about $800. I think just from a price point perspective, a lot of these are going to be intimidating for a, a, a large percentage of people. Yeah. Um, the, the, this is a popular enough item that there, you should be able to find quite a range. Uh, I even, uh, man, I've been, I've been evangelizing for them quite a bit recently, but like Abercrombie and Fitch is crushing it right Barrett, now. I just ordered three t-shirts from Abercrombie and Fitch and I, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm very excited for this package to come in. Yeah. And, um, and, and they, they have something very similar. I think it's missing a lot of the patches, but it, but it, and it might be like a faux leather on the sleeves, but dude, vegan leather has come a long way. We talked about that on club cool, uh, last year at some point. And so there's, there's definitely a way to get into this trend without dropping a rack, but, but yeah, th this is another one. This is actually another one that I find really interesting because and again, I think it's tied to that kind of like the resurgence of East Coast prep. Yeah. Because five, six years ago, Off-White was doing these. Mm -hmm. You know, it was like the, the Heron Preston and, and Hood by Air and like like they, they, they were being shown in, in far more kind of like streetwear settings. Yeah. And and they, they, they maybe went away for a year or two, but they are definitely back in full force. And I think they're just being... They're just being styled in a much different different way this time around. Um, I think a, the styling's a... like paramount when it comes yeah. to this too, because if you style it incorrectly, you look like a dude who is having trouble letting go of your high school days. Yeah, right. If you do right. it correctly, you look like probably the coolest dude in the restaurant. Yeah, and and I I think you can you can kind of see some variations of it here, but like dude on the left is kind of combining it with like a western look, um, almost gravitates into that like concrete cowboy thing that mm -hmm. you and I talked about mm -hmm. a couple of months ago. 
but then uh, otherwise you're just the like the ALD uh, piece of it is uh, falls more into the norm core or book core way mm-hmm. where it do, where it feels very collegiate as opposed to um, more more a little bit more street or or modern. Yeah, yeah. Either way, it's it's a look that I'm probably going to be very much enjoying from afar. Yeah. I just don't see myself, especially now that we're 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 about to be months and months away from even thinking about buying jackets. That's right. So yeah. I'm really trying not to get too excited. <laughs> I've I've done something I normally I normally when we're at this point in the season, I start buying things that are on sale that I've been looking at for the last few months. Yep. This year I've tried to change my entire dynamic with myself and I've been buying new stuff that's coming out that is a staple that I can wear through the summer mm-hmm. and feel good about it as opposed to doing it backwards, which I've been doing for way too long. I, I- well, as as you know, as a self-proclaimed shopping addict, I guess <laughs> <laughs> I do a little bit of both, <laughs> uh, unfortunately. But I I will say it feels really good to buy things for now. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I know that's like part of like our 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 just culture in general, right? Like we all want the instant gratification of like getting something in and being able to wear it. But like bu- buying stuff that. But like, like there's, there's something that's also extremely satisfying about knowing you want something so bad that you're just willing to pay full price for it right now, get it in and wear it immediately. Yes. It's very like, it's just a very satisfactory, you know, thing all around. Don't get me wrong. A very smart way to shop, especially for people that are like building out a a wardrobe that, that they want to refresh or, or, or add to, or like make sure that they have something for, for next fall or winter. Absolutely. You got to do some of the sale shopping right now. But, but like you're saying, it just, it's, it's also really, it's a, it's a nice feeling to shop for now too. I've been trying to get some staples in my wardrobe lately, especially for warm weather. It's something that I haven't been very good about. It's something I've always put off until I actually need the stuff in the summer. And then I just try to ride out the summer. This year I have bought two things on sale from a company that has probably gotten a little uptick in popularity lately because of ALD, which is Drake's. They had a sale email go out recently and I bought two shirts from them, both on pretty deep discount that were uh, linen short sleeve camp collar shirts yep. that I know I can wear in Austin and I will probably still sweat through them, but I'll do it comfortably. <laughs> but I bought those two and like they have both come in the mail recently and I cannot like now I'm actually looking forward to the warm weather so I can go out and wear these new shirts that I'm replacing my six year old bonobos shirts with i'm like i need to stop wearing these other things and so i've made those two upgrades i've thrown out my old linen shirts and i've ushered in the new regime and i could not be more excited for a little bit of warm weather and i will regret saying that at some point in the near future most likely yeah um before we get out of here today i think we also need to talk about a little bit of sunday television there's been a lot going on in the tv world lately from trash television to prestige television barrett on a sunday afternoon or Sunday night even. Obviously, there's a lot of HBO stuff that is going to come out that's going to tickle your fancy. Yep. Do you lean more prestige television on a, on a lazy Sunday or more trash television? Oh, man. So it, it really, really does depend. Um, you know, I don't know if you've heard this, but vibes, they're constantly shifting. They're, they're always shifting. <laughs> uh, so take, for example, uh, the uh, the prestige show that just ended on HBO, Euphoria. Mm-hmm. That is not a Sunday night show for me. Now it, I did I did watch the finale on Sunday night because I had to be part of the conversation. The only episode, the only episode that I watched on Sunday <laughs> yeah. night this year was the finale. Yep, exactly. I didn't. Same. I could not bring myself to do the others. Exact same. But the rest was was not. Nah, 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 I'm I'm gonna save that for like a Monday or Tuesday. But Succession, I'm watching that shit on Sunday night. Like as, as soon as I can. Big facts. So, uh, but so when the show is a little 
darker, a little scarier, a little whatever, whether that's Euphoria or Yellow Jackets, that's less something like that. Like those are less Sunday night shows, and 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 we're going more into the to the trash land. Yellow Jackets is prime, right? Uh, Showtime. Showtime. Yeah. Shit. Yeah. Need a Showtime. <laughs> Need a Showtime login. <laughs> uh, see, I. I think I would like to fancy myself as a prestige person, but my resume lately has just gone in the direction of trash on, yeah. on a, just a whole new level. I mean, we've uh, everyone knows I'm a, I'm a longtime Love Island stan. I've been enjoying it all through quarantine and uh, through now. I've even gone back now and have started rewatching old seasons that I've already seen just because I want something relaxed to fall asleep to, and it's working wonders. But like you, you're a you're a love is, or no, you're a too hot to handle person. Yeah, so you're a love is blind guy on Netflix. I'm a too hot to handle guy on Netflix. I I don't know if I'm a too, I don't know if I'm a love is blind guy. <laughs> I I decided out of just complete boredom and tired necessity that I would start season two without ever knowing what the show is really even about. And what I realized very soon is that I it's such an unbelievable concept to me. That I almost don't even want to entertain it. So I, I that's I think that's a good way to describe like my biggest hang up with it, right? With all these reality t- television shows, we have to suspend some level of disbelief. Yes, we know that there are strings being pulled and producers at work and mm-hmm. control rooms and crazy people that signed up for them in the first place, right? But like the idea that you are going to essentially force yourself to fall in love with somebody that you are talking to. Through like, you know, an opaque screen. Yes. It's just complete bullshit. And then you're going to go to a resort with them (laughs) and you're going to meet them for the first time. And like some of these people are just like not sexually attracted to their partner, which, you know, that's an I think that's an understandable thing. Like you can't force that. And especially if you're going to marry them, like if there's ever a time to say, hey, not sexually attracted, it's probably before you get married. Um, (laughs) But I it's a show that I really am having trouble even finishing because it's so unreal to me that we're trying to take it seriously in some some way and maybe we're not but every tiktok i see these days is either somebody being like oh why aren't we talking about how rue owes ten thousand dollars to somebody valid question yeah or it's a clip from love, love is blind being like this guy's an idiot <laughs> and i've enjoyed all of that content but like it's just it's all i see these days I, so i was i was having this conversation with somebody recently and i i think that that you know i i, I certainly understand the the interest in love is blind and i really enjoy too hot to handle and i have completely extricated myself from bachelor nation at this point except for my 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 new thing going forward is i'm only doing paradise that's a great way to operate Barry. right and the, and and i was trying to just like think about why i was so frustrated and tired with the bachelor and the the best thing to do is like look at these other shows that have capitalized on the personalities mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They are fun shows because you get to know the pe- the the crazy people that yes. are falling in love through a screen or trying not to hook up with other sexy people. Like they 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 spend the time and that's something that Bachelor used to do. They used to like invest in the people that were going to go far or in the lead himself. Yes. And they are so committed to just like the manufactured drama and like the 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 chatter or that they that they get from all that. That they, no, they they no longer develop characters. They no longer develop personalities. And so by the time you get to the last four episodes, it's the most boring shit on earth because you don't give a shit anymore. Correct. And that could not that, be more correct. That's that is what these other shows and and I have I haven't watched Love Island, but I I gotta assume that something similar is happening here, where you start really really liking the people that you're watching. Yes. Maybe in spite of yourself. Yes. 
That's that's why but it's that's, good. Yeah. I, the Bachelor, you can tell now the diff, the reason that the Bachelor is falling off now. I mean, there's a lot of reasons. Whether you know, you can attribute it to social stuff and the Chris Harrison stuff. Sure. But it, from an entertainment value alone, the reason that I think the Bachelor is not doing as well is because every situation that they are put in is a manufactured situation. Yeah. I know that like Love Is Blind or Love Island or what's the premise of Too Hot to Handle? So the premise of Too Hot to Handle is they get a mixed group of of guys and girls mm-hmm. together who think they are on like a sexy dating show. Okay. And then once they've all met each other and like started to like form attractions and all that, they are uh, informed that they are actually on too hot to handle and they are not allowed to hook up with each other. Okay. Otherwise okay. they Perfect. lose money from the, po- from the giant pool of money. Do they have cameras <laughs> on them? All the time. All the time. Yeah. And that is, that's in terms of reality <laughs> television, that's a necessity at this point. The only time that people on the Bachelor That's a good point. I have not thought I have not made that connection. You're right. The you're only right. time people are on the ba- on screen on the Bachelor is when they're like, "Hey, go sit in that lobby room in the hotel. We're going to bring some cameras and you guys are going to talk about last That's, night." Yep, yep. I don't care about those situations. What the entertainment value for me is the behind the not like I yeah. say behind the scenes, but it's the casual banter when just that you have. They're living together. Exactly. Yeah, and yeah. I know that it's Love Island's point. tough to to do for people because it's so many episodes, but that's why it's entertaining because you see these people existing as opposed to them constantly thinking that they're on camera because i mean i don't care what you say if you are getting taped for weeks on end and you're constantly mic'd up six days a week like they are in love island you're eventually going to just act natural and you're going to default to your baseline personality and you're not going to be putting on a show for the cameras and if you do you'll get sniffed out pretty quick and i just think that the bachelor is never going to be as entertaining because you have these canned situations whereas bachelor in paradise you do have the people hanging out all the time, even right. though it's, it's probably a little more structured than it other is, shows. It is, but 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 the fact that you there there is more, there there are more opportunities to see people how they actually would be, basically. Yeah, yeah. And like with Love Is Blind, you have these people that are being taped for however many weeks it is before. But I mean, this, they have a lot of footage to trudge through before they can put it out to the world, and that's a good thing. Like they're not just taking the canned situations and taking that footage and going with it. They're taping everything, and it's just it's just great. I saw on Twitter you said uh, what's your Bear, at just at Barrett Dudley on Twitter yeah yeah uh, I saw you you had uh, a very in my opinion correct take that the final two episodes of Euphoria this season were the best two episodes uh, you also had the correct question of how Rue is getting away with stealing thousands of dollars worth of drugs from yeah, a very which, savage drug dealer which was an original tweet but I would but I of course acknowledge that lots of people had the same question yeah I so. mean I had the question and the, but I, then I thought to myself did I fall asleep for five minutes and not know <laughs> what happened yeah um I thought I actually thought that the penultimate episode of this season when it was just straight up Lexi's play was probably my favorite episode of euphoria to date I thought it was such an entertaining episode maybe not for the euphoria reasons that you're usually entertained by but it was just wonderful uh, and unfortunately for me, I get super uncomfortable when people sing in a room to a very small crowd. Uh-huh. So when the song <laughs> happened in the finale, I pretty much just picked up my phone and plugged my ears until it ended. I couldn't watch him singing. Wait, the, the, you couldn't watch Ethan. Yes. Do the, the, that was in the penultimate. It was in the penultimate where he does the, the football yeah. locker room one. No, 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 no. I'm talking about the guitar song. I'm not. Oh, thinking. when Dominic Fike does the little, yeah. Okay. Okay. I hated it. I hated it. It, it made my skin crawl. I was like, "Stop singing!" Like, is it, if I was if I was Zendaya in that in that scenario, I don't think I would have been able to tape that with him actually doing it. I would have been like, "No, everyone needs to clear the room, and I'll cry on camera." It's it's funny that you say that because I, I I always like to think about like the production behind 
things and like how they do shoot something like that. And I was sitting there wondering, like, I bet they had a camera on Zendaya's face for this full five minutes and they were like, just react to him singing to you. Yeah. And then they just, but I did, but it did, it did cross my mind. I was like, or did they just put a camera on her like an hour later and then just be like, Hey, cry, do some crying stuff. Now seem kind of like wistful. Yeah. Okay. Now a little bit sadder. Okay. Now, now kind of you, you, you see, you, you see the shining beacon of hope. Okay. Got it. Yep. We're good. Perfect. <laughs> uh but yeah look the play was awesome Uh, i mean i know that like i I have i'm i'm a huge like musical fan like i love i love musicals i love plays like i did a lot of theater when i was growing up so that just hit all the buttons for me yes um Mm -hmm. i loved that we got to see more of lexi this season and i know that there's a lot of backlash about the fact that like cat kind of like fell off a cliff Mm -hmm. but look this show is only eight episodes a season there's not enough. There's not enough screen time for as many characters as they have on the show, and she kind of got sub like Lexi kind of subbed in for Cat this season is basically what happened. I, and I know that kind of sucks, but like I'm sure that that I'm sure that Cat will be back next season with 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 more with more plot, more story. I I had a hesitation with Maude Apatow, just purely based on nepotism. Like my preconceived notion of her I, I, in, in this hard was, not to think about it with her. Yeah. It's like, you know, at the end of the day, your last name is Apatow and we all know who your dad is. Yep. And I, I feel bad saying that, but going into this season, I, I didn't really care about her in the show at all. After, I think it was the first episode where she's talking to Fez the entire time. Yeah. I was like, okay. She just like skyrocketed my rankings of euphoria characters and she did such a great job the entire season that now i'm like okay i'm invested in the lexi storyline yeah and i saw a lot of chatter online about how she's probably going to be like her she and rue are younger than the rest of the cast in terms of the scope of the show the a lot of them are seniors in the show and they are a year younger got it and so they're i think they're kind of saying that they're doing some investment okay in her character because she's best friends with rue okay i don't know what the, I mean, you can you can talk about the behind the scenes drama of um, some of the characters and why they've gotten kind of axed from it. I don't know how true those reports are. I have not heard any of those rumors, actually. So I just I'll heard some to... things like I heard one girl was uh, disagreed with on politics with the director and she got axed. I heard that. Uh, what's, what's her name? Ferreira? Barbie Ferreira. Barbie Ferreira. Cat, I heard that cat, she yeah. w- didn't want to do um, an eating disorder storyline, and then they got mad at her. Okay. But again, these are all, like, they're rumors that I don't know how much <laughs> truth there is to it, but I'm like, yeah, it is kind of weird that they just got rid of her character pretty much. Yeah, yeah. And I and I, I totally, like, I, I, I totally understand those complaints. The 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 one thing, and I, I think I, you know, I was, I, I said this to Laura, like, after episode three or four. This might be the most auteur-driven show I've ever watched. And that, like, it is written, created, directed all by Sam Levinson. He is the only person that is, like, a a creative presence on the show. And he just does whatever he wants. He just lets his mood and his vibe take him wherever he wants to go. And he spends really long amounts of time on stuff that you might not think matters that much. And then he he just kind of, like, breezes over some stuff that, that maybe you think should matter more. Yeah. And it's and that's what happens when you don't have like a full full blown writer's room. But like Euphoria has never been about cohesive narrative storytelling. Correct. Can you so, and, and can you imagine the logistics behind doing the play and juxtaposing that with the actual things going on in the show and the amount of work that it would take to to stage some of those shots? It like gave me a headache just thinking about the amount of production that would go into something like that and just the amount of like 
reshoots or whatever it could be. It, it's just the, the amount that goes into that show is a lot. And like you said, I, I do kind of understand how they would forget about or not forget about, but gloss over certain things that might just not matter in the long run in, in his creative vision for the yep. show. Oh, TV. I could talk about TV forever. <laughs> uh, we're going to end this episode like we end every episode. We're going to add a couple things to our wish list. You want me to start off, Barrett? I do. Want... I would like you to start off. Yes. I'm starting off with something in a realm that I have not done yet. But being as though we started off with food today, I tried to think of something that I need to add to my kitchen. And being that I've been going through a big dumpling phase lately, Ooh. I've decided that we need a dumpling steamer basket. Up to this point, we've been big Trader Joe's dumplings people. I know that that's not traditional, and I know that some people might scoff at that. I'm going to ride for Trader Joe's dumplings, and I will not get off that train. Okay. Um, do You can do it in the, in the microwave. They don't come out as good. <laughs> you can do it in a steamer basket, and they taste amazing. What we don't have currently is a good steamer basket. And so I have added to my wish list a $19 Williams-Sonoma steamer basket. I'm by no means tied to this one. So if anyone out there has any suggestions for one that they like or one that might be a little more practical, I'm all ears. But for $20, if I can up my up my dumpling game for the rest of the time, I'm going to do that. Uh, that's, uh, yeah. The, so here's where I'm at on some on things like steamer baskets. I love this. I love the call. I would like to be able to steam my, steam my own dumplings at home. Um, I got no room for the steamer basket. Where's it go? All, all my... All my... <sighs> We're, I feel like I'm already at peak appliance. Our you know panware, I mean? our pan. I mean, I think everyone is like this. Our panware lazy Susan cupboard thing is a war zone. Yeah. Like, I mean, it is. You, if 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 our if my son is asleep in the other room and I need to get a a pan from the back of that, I'm probably getting takeout at that point. I'm like, no, I'm it's I'm running the risk of waking him up by just clanking a million different pans together. But I I just think that if I can upgrade one thing in terms of the things that we eat often now. Are you are upgrading my dumplings? Are you eating dumplings like once a week? Probably. Yeah. Okay. And I'm even doing it like for quick lunches at this point. I'm like, you know what? I I need some quick calories in me before I go get hangry somewhere. I'm just going to rip these dumplings in the microwave real quick and eat them. Yeah. I either burn my mouth or I don't cook them enough every <laughs> single time, but that's a me problem. So yeah, I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to get more deep in the dumpling game. And I'd also like to actually start trying to make them at some point. In yeah, my I life. was just about to say, if you, once you have the steamer basket, now you got to start like making your own dough and learning how to do the little crimps. And I know, I know this is, this is tracking very, you know, just perfectly with your Japanese breakfast though. I know. Right. Like <laughs> I, I've been trying to take a lot from the Japanese culture. Sally asked me the other day, like if COVID didn't happen and we could have traveled anywhere in the world where would you have gone no questions asked and i said japan that's all where i've wanted to go for a long time now we i now yeah. that we have a son our chances of going there are just absolutely plummeting but i have had some friends go there recently that could just spoke so highly of their time there i just really want to do it and i think that i am trying to draw some stuff from there i also like like the other day i was taking a nice little steam shower and i tossed on the speaker and i just did some uh some zend out like japanese I think it was called a Japanese morning snow or something like that. And I was like, this is the perfect relaxation music for a steam shower right now. What is, what is, uh, you know, like you can be a Francophile if you're like big into French culture and an Anglophile if you like English, there's gotta be, I'm sure there's a term for, for, for that. Like a Japanese enthusiast. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see. What, what is, what we, they say Japanophilia is a thing. Well, that, <laughs> that doesn't, yeah, I guess that's it. I guess it, Francophilia, Anglophilia. Yeah. It says Japanophilia. This is from Wikipedia. So well, I don't. Producer Randy had some, had a, a weeb. 
Is that, are you making us? You're not making. You're us making say, me worried that we're going to get canceled yeah. for this. That <laughs> sounds, that sounds derogatory. <laughs> Barrett, what's on your wish list? Oh, damn it! Yeah, it's it's yeah. We apologize for the use of that word. It is. I, I'm. I just. I just searched it, and it does say it's derisive. Yeah, you can't use that. So sorry, I've never heard that. Let's can't. We got to cancel producer Randy instead. Uh, well, I'm going. Last week I went sheets. You, you I got to go back to my mo here with uh, with clothing, clothing and accessories. First, I just I wanted to tell you what I w- what was on the top of my of okay. my wish list. You and I are we'll be in Las Vegas together this weekend for uh, for for Dylan's bachelor party. And um, look, it's it's been a while since I've been on a trip like this, and I, I really I, I I was like, I don't know what like going out clothes look like anymore Weird. at this point for for myself. I know what going out clothes look like in Austin. Because it's a sure, very dressed sure. down yes. city and yep. we can pretty much wear yep. whatever we want, wherever we want. Yep. But in Las Vegas, I have no clue what to wear out. Yeah. And I, I, I like I know exactly what I w- would have worn four years ago. Right. I, I had a very specific style for this type of thing. I, I don't have that anymore. It's kind of faded out of my out of favor in, in my wardrobe. And what what I've this is something that I've has been on my wish list for about a year now. And I'm, but I was like, but Vegas would be the perfect place for this. I ended up not being able to find one. At, in like my size at a price I liked it's et, et cetera et cetera but I really wanted a leather blazer oh I would have loved it if you showed up with a leather blazer that would have been perfect were you, you know, gonna just, go actual leather or were you gonna do, go with the vegan leather dude, that we, we previously I, talked about I, I'm a I am I'm on the vegan leather train I'm fine with that and the the here's here's why I think I'm I'm so sold on it because there are so many brands, and I mean like high-end brands, the the type that are only carried on Essence and Mr. Porter, right? Mm-hmm. That are doing, if not exclusively, mostly vegan leather. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if I don't, if I can't tell the difference, then I don't care. And I think, I mean, I think it's all part of like one, the technology has gotten much better, mm-hmm. and they're able to replicate it to to a really nice degree. And don't get me wrong, there's like no su- there's no substitute for really like high quality leather. There, there's not. There's I, not. But. but like when it comes to like a wallet or something, I feel less guilty having a wallet in like real yeah. genuine leather that smells amazing and stuff like that. If I yeah. had a full on blazer, I think I would feel guilty every time I wore that. You'd feel guilty and I, I mean and then you're spending a lot more for a piece that's like very clearly like a trend piece. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So um so so I, I was looking for the one that I had kind of circled in on uh was I can't remember the, the what what the brand was, but it, it was a vegan one. I just I couldn't find it in my size. Um, <laughs> so I don't I don't have anything that that's just I wanted to share that. Uh, so instead, I'll just go to like the the top of my current wish list. Another kind of trend piece. Uh, have are, have you you've been aware of like dudes wearing pearls? No, at, over the last couple of years, pearl snaps. Nah, like yeah, well those too. But but um, no, you're talking like you know like Bieber and Harry Styles. They're they, doing they, pearls. Those, those types of dudes have been ASAP Rocky. They all been wearing pearls. He can for wear the whatever last he wants. Couple of years. Well, I, I decided that that pearls were that's like too much of a stretch for me. Just like a full on pearl necklace. But John Elliott um, has been doing collaborations with a Japanese jewelry maker called Mars, and um, they just recently released these. Uh, these necklaces that are half pearl and half like turquoise bead. Okay. And okay. The, the the pearls are really small. So they, they they don't have like the kind of like, you know, traditional okay. giant the, pearl ball. That this is of, much like, more approachable than what I was imagining. Than you kind of think of. Yeah. I was like, imagining like a guy going into his sorority girlfriend's like, right. you know, thing and, yes. and busting that out. Well, and, and the guys like Harry and ASAP, ASAP Rocky have done some of that. Like where it looks, you know, like those classic, 
uh, pearls that you know that you'd see on the country club mom. Those two fall into a category of people that like it doesn't matter what no, they wear not. if it's masculine or feminine, they're gonna look really good in it, and yes. they're gonna they're gonna blur those lines more than like someone like little old Will over here. Yes. So this the trend has finally like reached a place with this necklace where I'm like, okay, this is my version of it. I think that I, I think that's I, a good compromise. I, I really like the I I really like beaded stuff. Anyway, and so the combination where you kind of get like a little half and half and you get like a little wabi-sabi asymmetric type thing going on here. Um, uh, th- this is this is on my this is near the top of my wish list. Right I, now. I'm into it and I can see that I can see this working very well with a lot of things that you wear. Yeah, it's just it's a little this is a little bit more my speed than the, than the gold as well. And so this is this is what I'm so I got my own. I love it. Well, Barrett, another one in the books. Do you have fun today? Felt great. <laughs> uh Either way, whether you enjoy this or not, we appreciate your support. Uh, go I, check- hope, I hope if you're still listening, I know. an hour in. Yeah, you you're an hour it. in. Figure it out. Uh, go check it out on YouTube.com slash Watch Media if you want to see all the stuff we were talking about. The second half of this episode was obviously very heavy on a lot of visual stuff. So if you are so inclined, go check out the, the video there. Uh, subscribe there. And uh, yeah, any closing thoughts, Barrett? Man, uh, I, do, I, I am taking... It, that you're this far in, you do love it, and for that, I really appreciate. I really appreciate it, and and thank you for listening. This has been um, a great outlet to talk about all sorts of just awesome stuff that that I love, and so I'm 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 happy to be here and happy to be doing this. It's turned into one of my favorite recordings of the week, and that is for sure. Is that all she wrote? That's all she wrote. Let's get out of here. <laughs>